you know, I was thinking about this and I think excellence is in the journey. I don't think it's it's the destination. So to me, excellence is not something that's really achieved. It's it's the pursuit. It's uh it's integrity, it's persistence, it's grit, it's clarity, it's intentionality, and it's never ending. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for sharing this one with your friends. We've got a great one for you today. We've got Pete Schnipp on the show today. He's going to talk a lot about entrepreneurship. He's going to talk about the path and timing of entrepreneurship. He had the busiest schedule you've ever heard of all his life. He's going to talk about how to have balance and layering and getting everything done and spinning all the plates. He's going to get into how to find role models when they're not right in front of your face and his process of working to excellence. We've got a great show. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, PCF, thank you so much for coming out of the heat there in Phoenix, Arizona to make the show. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Thanks for having me, Matt. Well, I'm excited. We're going to talk today about the path to entrepreneurship, what is entrepreneurship, and all the different, well, not all of them, but some of the different lessons that Pete took from his years of starting companies. Um, But before we do, Pete, we're going to start the same way we always start. What is your definition of excellence? Uh, You know, I was thinking about this, and I think excellence is in the journey. I don't think it's, it's the destination. So to me, Excellence is not something that's really achieved. It's it's the pursuit. It's uh, it's integrity. It's persistence. It's grit. It's clarity. It's intentionality, and it's never ending. Okay, so in it's you never achieve it. It is the process. Kind of aligns with uh, um, some Eastern thought, uh, karma yoga. Enjoy the process. If you have clarity of intention, sincerity of action, purity of heart let go of the action, enjoy the process. So you're in the pursuit of excellence. That also kind of aligns, and you and I are in the Entrepreneurs Organization. Shout out to EO, where I saw Pete after many, many years at a conference recently. And you hear people talking about having goals, and you hear people talking about becoming excellent. But as they achieve those goals, and as they achieve what maybe you and I see as excellence, it moves along the horizon. So you hear people talking about, hey, stop and celebrate. Enjoy where you've been. But there's always this pursuit of um, becoming better and better and better. Maybe not achieving more and more, but becoming better and better and better. I love it. Um, So let's talk about you for a little bit. Let's go way back in time. You went to UT Austin. And uh, how's the football team at UT Austin? Are they in a bowl? Uh, They usually wind up getting into some small bowl uh, they did not make it to the conference championship, but we're coming back sooner or later. We're coming back. 
We've got the we've got the Manning kid with a verbal commitment coming to us, and it's going to be a game changer. Is he related to Peyton or Eli Manning? Yeah, he's I don't know, he's like a nephew or something, but he's like the top the top quarterback recruit I think in the country. Somehow or another, he's he's got a commitment to UT, and we're moving over to the SEC, so we're going to be in uh, in good company. So we're coming back. Because it's an awesome school, because it's a fun place to go. They even have Formula One in Austin, let alone six blocks of awesome parties and music every night. Of course, of course, someone would want to go there. Well, before we're, we're going to get into high school, we're going to get into UT and we're going to get into coming out of college and becoming an entrepreneur and investing in real estate, b- building a real estate business and building a, a couple other companies and how you did that. And how you vet your deals. And we're going to spend some time on entrepreneurship today. But real quickly, before we do, let's go back in time. Where'd you go to high school before you went to UT Austin? Uh, I was outside of Houston. Um, It was a school called Spring High. Spring High. So you're in Spring High. It's pretty hard to get into UT Austin. You and I are a little bit older than our audience. Um, It's really hard to get into now. And it was really hard to get into back then. So what were you doing to get ahead in high school? And were you purposely setting yourself up on this path to excellence? Or were you not quite aware at that time? Yeah, so in high school, I was a good kid. I was a good student. I really didn't date a lot. I was was a baseball player. And so I spent my time perfecting my craft and trying to get better all the time in baseball. I knew I wanted to go to college. My mom ingrained in me that I had to, uh, you know, have good grades. And so I was a good student. I wasn't the best, but I was I was a good kid. And I knew that by doing uh, doing the right things and working hard would eventually work out for me. You know, as soon as I could work, uh, I started working while I was in high school and yeah, I, I mean, I tried. I tried hard. I tried to be a good kid. I tried to make my mom proud. And I just kind of, um, I knew I wanted to be rich one day. <laughs> and, and I didn't know how or, or what, but I knew that uh, if I did my, my best and got good grades, hopefully I'd figure it out soon enough. Okay, so the morals that you're talking about, doing the right things, and then and then the values, maybe working hard is one of the values. So you started to develop that that morality while you're in high school. And when I was in high school, I had it in my family, but maybe I didn't practice it so well. So I did some kind of bad things that I regret, by the way, and I've uh, uh, repented. So you weren't doing the bad things. You may be the morals. I remember the day, by the way, for me, I had to write a letter to my parents and uh, and I realized what a pain in the ass I was. So that letter in some college freshman class, they made us write this letter. And I realized while writing the letter, what a pain in the ass I was. I literally stopped being a pain in the ass that day. But you didn't have that. So my morals set in that day. I remember the family values um, coming into my life. How were you realizing what the right things were? And how were you leading yourself to act on that? Maybe someone listening right now hasn't figured that out yet. And they're already in their 20s. What did you do to figure that out so early? Uh, I mean, really, it was just ingrained by by my mom. I mean, you know, I don't know that I figured that out. She just ingrained that uh, she almost made me scared. Like, if you're a bad kid and you do the wrong things, you're going to be a fuck up and your your life is going to be ruined. Right. And I grew up, you know, we were we were poor. I didn't have much, you know, growing up in elementary school. Like I was the, I didn't realize it back then, but I was the kid that got free lunches at school. Right. And I, it didn't mean anything to me back then, but like we came from nothing. And so my mom struggled. She she ran her own businesses. She was actually an entrepreneur, not a good one, uh, but 
uh, I saw that. I saw her her work ethic, and I knew that uh, I didn't want to live my life poor. So it almost became like, okay, well, I see how we're living now, and I can do better than that. And in the way that I'm gonna set myself up for that is by by doing good at everything that I do, by being a good student, by working my ass off on the on the field. I wanted to be a professional baseball player, so that was my passion. Um, but you know senior year i realized i didn't i didn't have the talent to do that so then i thought i'd be uh, a baseball coach because i didn't know what else to do and so i actually went to college and i majored in kinesiology which is what you need to be a coach and then two years in i was taking a class where they taught us how to throw frisbees and juggle uh, and how to be a kind like an elementary school pe teacher and <laughs> at that time i was like oh my god i'm paying for my own college and this is what i'm getting I realized in order to become a coach at any good level, you really need to have connections or have played at that level. And then, honestly, it was probably shortly after that when I uh, discovered College Works, and my path changed. But I knew that I had to have a good good work ethic and and, and persistence to get out of the the you know poverty or or living poor mentality. All right. So there's there's an awareness in you. There's awareness of what your mom's doing. There's an awareness of how hard she's working. Um, there's an awareness of uh, the the wisdom she's conveying on how to treat others and uh, what doing the right thing is. And and maybe you had this little pain point that you thought you were going to be a, just a, a screw up if you didn't follow that. But there's an awareness from you. And then there's a a, a mom and a family showing you the path, setting the example. And some of our listeners may not have that at home. And if you don't, you can look for mentors elsewhere, right? You can find someone else that's um, exhibiting some of the traits that you think you want to align with later in life. And Pete decided right then when he was young, he was going to align with those values and align with uh, that, that work ethic. Other thing I want to mention is you and I have the same thing. Now, my parents didn't have a lot of money. I wouldn't say we were poor. We didn't have a lot of money. And other kids did have a lot of money. And I think I got some free lunches at some point in time, too. And I know when we were when I was really young, there was some food stamps involved. Well, my mom doesn't like me for some reason to talk about it. And I had that same drive to be rich. Right. Because, I mean, you see your parent, my parents skipped meals and, you you know, you know, your parents are skipping meals. So you and your brother can eat, you know, your dad's working three jobs. In my case, um, you know that, you know, they're waking up in the morning real early to make breakfast and you can kind of see it for me. It didn't didn't quite settle in. And I don't know where I was going with that. Hold on a second. When you're in that situation where you're coming up for, from nothing, maybe it's easier to see than if you're not in that situation. But either way. At some point in time, you look around and realize how you want to be, what you want to be like, but you don't know exactly what's going to get you there. So you're 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 playing the process of elimination. So I want to be a professional baseball player. Okay, that got you to where you were. If you weren't driven by that, you wouldn't have gotten into UT Austin probably, but that's not going to work. I'm going to look at kinesiology. Okay, that's probably not going to lead where I want to go. And then you ran into college works. How do College Works help you figure out? And actually, before we get to College Works, you go into UT Austin. I just want to flag one thing: you had two part-time jobs while you were going to college, right? Yeah, actually, I did because you know I had to pay for myself. I got some small grants, but I had and I had a loan. But uh, I had so I was working basically at a pizza joint, you know, uh, making pizzas and delivering pizzas at night. During the day, I got I forget what kind of job they're called, but they're like on-campus jobs. 
and it was pretty flexible. So both of them were part-time. I could do like one during the day in between classes. The other one was at night. And then I played rugby too. It's club rugby, but you know, you got practices and you got tournaments on the weekend and then college works came about. And so there was three years where I was juggling all of those. And that's, that's a lot to do, especially in the spring when you're selling, um, you know, juggling all three in the summer, the the on-campus job, I don't think stayed on, but for the most part, I was juggling two to three jobs at a time, really because it allowed me the most flexible opportunity to maximize my time and income while I was in school. Okay, so how many people you know did that? None. None. I was the only one. Yeah. I, I I remember I remember you, and, and it all comes back to me as we start talking. I remember you, and I also remember Ryan Jantz because he was an engineer, and I think he had two part-time jobs for a period, but I think he dropped it. So your time management must have been amazing, right? It had to be. Yeah, yeah it had to be because you're going to school, you're in kinesiology, then you changed to what major? Uh, I didn't change because I realized I'd have to start over with the credits. So I fin- I graduated with kinesiology. I just, I had a minor in business. And that's a science degree? It's the study of the human body. So it's I, well, like I know, but is that a BS that you got? Education. Yeah, BS. Okay, so you get a BS, which is, you know, a little bit harder. Um, you've got a job during the day between classes. So there goes some of that study time in the day. Then you have a job at night when most people are studying. So somehow you're figuring out how to get your studying in, your work in, your school in, and, and you, you start doing college works, which is you know one of the hardest internships you can do. And you're also at college works completely your own manager. You're 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 completely independent as far as how much you work. You can just pretend you're working and lie and you know people are wondering why you're not doing well or you can go out and do it. So were you able to have any fun during that time during college doing all that? Uh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I figured it out. I I would show up, you know, after my pizza job at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning and I'd bring a bunch of pizza to the party and I'd party till, you know, 3 or 4 and I was I was the, and I still am, I'm a morning person. So I was really good at getting up early. I would have friends, my freshman year, I was really good about not missing school. I was very deliberate. Like I I didn't want to be the kid that missed classes because that's how kids dropped out. And I had friends that would try to keep me out all night, like as a challenge to try to get me to miss classes. But I was good at um, being disciplined at showing up at my classes and just making things work. There was actually, and here's another job that I had too. I signed up to do note taking for. It was a, <laughs> it was so you you were layering. Yeah, layering, layering, right? Yeah. So I figured, okay, well, if I can get paid to take notes, then that's extra motivation for me to do it. And the act of taking notes helped me remember everything, so that I had to actually spend less time after the fact studying. So it all worked out perfectly. You know, a lot of people go to college and have a job, and they're going to hard colleges. UT is a hard college. A lot of people go to a hard college, have a hard major and have a job. You know, not everybody has two jobs and all that and the toughest internship and having fun. But it's kind of inspirational, right? If you're listening right now and you're still in college, uh, look what Pete did. If your name's Jake Stewart and you're coming home to do some summer school online, remember what Pete did because you can do an internship and summer school at the same time. You can do study abroad and summer school at the same and and an internship at the same time. You can have a job, have an internship 
and get a degree and have fun at the same time. And what I hear you saying is, one, never miss school. How do you miss a class? Ding dong. The professor telling you exactly what they're going to test you on. Two, discipline to a plan. Pete's organized. He's always he's been organized since college, at least. He's still organized. He can still do all this. He sticks to his plan. And then the concept of layering. And I don't know, there's someone that wrote a book that includes that concept, and I forget who it is. Um, you can do more than one thing. If you're super busy and you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, do laundry with them, eat with them, study with them, layer. If you want to remember to do things like call your mom, every time you do your laundry, call your mom. So you can layer and have routines. Anything else to your key to success that early in life, being able to juggle all this besides those three that I pulled out of your um, discussion? When you put it that way, it sounds really awesome how I did that. But you know, <laughs> yeah. and that's the other thing—you right? never know how awesome you are while you're being awesome, right? That's part of humility and part In of the moment. It was just this is how I make it work, and I knew that I wanted to make it work. I I saw I was I was scared of failure. I saw all these other kids that would go and drop out. They would, you know their parents would pay for their college, and they wouldn't show up. And then a year or two later, they're gone. And I was paying for it myself, and I knew that I wanted to get value out of it. I knew that I didn't want to have to go move home with my mom. I was not going to do that. That was not an option. So it just wasn't an option for me. I had to make it. I, I had to make it work. This is that was just life, you know. And and actually, it was pretty cool because I made it work. The 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 job on campus was so flexible. It was very little work. I sat there in an office, and most of the time, I could get my studying done there. Layering, layering again. Layering while I got paid, and I did the work that they needed. And so now that you call it layering, it make that's what it was. I didn't know what it was then. It was just making it making all the pieces fit. Yeah, and the people that listen to this show, you know, the, a lot of them are out of college. They're driving in their car right now, thinking, "How do I get everything done?" Well, Pete did. How did Pete do it? We just walked you through. Never, never miss school. So, what is the biggest thing that you need to never miss? had a plan and stuck to it, layered, developed routines. And so you're going to college, someone swings in, you start doing the college works thing, which, you know, first year, you didn't have any idea what you were doing. Was it the first year we were in Texas? Was that your first year? Uh, no, you had been in there before because there were DMs. Okay. Uh, but it was near, it was near the first year. Okay. So, but your first year, you don't know what you're doing. It's, you know, 30 hours a week. You're trying to figure it out and you're working your other job and you're getting good grades and you're getting your degree. Then in the summer, I mean, holy moly. And then, you know, after that, it probably evens out a little bit. And while you're taking kinesiology, knowing you don't want to do kinesiology, you're doing this business management thing. And a lot of people might come to college works and stick with kinesiology and become a physical therapist or whatever. Wasn't right for you. What was your process to figure out that when you got out of school, you wanted to go into the corporate world of home building? Man, three years of college works and I did not want to be an entrepreneur anymore. <laughs> I needed I needed a regular paycheck because now I had student loans. I wanted stability because you don't get that as an entrepreneur. But that's what I at the time, that's what I wanted. That's what I thought I needed. So, you know, I've always uh, just I found my way by copying other people. By um, mirror, you know, like I grew up without a dad. And so I would look at my friends and their dads and which ones were doing well, which ones weren't. And that was how I had a buddy. His dad was working in home building. Every time I would go back to his place in Houston, it was a beautiful house. They seemed to be doing really well. And then my buddy got into home building. So I just followed suit. He moved to Phoenix after college. He got in with a builder. I stayed in touch with him. He said, hey, come on out here. I'll get you hired. 
So I did. I packed up all my crap after college. I left everything that I knew, drove out here, moved in. I slept on his couch um, and I got hired on at that company. And so then I became a, a corporate guy learning the home building world. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. Okay. So, and I just want to stop there for a second because people need different things at different times. So you're doing the entrepreneurial thing at college works. You decide, hey, I want stability. I need stability right now. And I bet you if you didn't find the stability right then for that period of time, you wouldn't have gone on to start a bunch of companies. You probably would have burnt out and really burnt out, like gone too far and burning out. So you have different different times for different things in your life and plans change. So you're going one direction and you're trying things out, just like you're trying out kinesiology. You keep going until you realize maybe this isn't right for me. But at the time, going and working in a big uh, home building business as a as a a project manager and getting a normal paycheck with a normal salary and a normal way of doing things was what you wanted, especially after so many years of grinding it out. You needed a little break, a little pause. And then the second thing I want to point out again to people looking for role models you're looking for an example of what you want to become. So you're looking around and you see the elements. Probably you had little elements of each of these role models and you were discounting some of the things that weren't working. Like I'm sure I'm a role model for people. I hope they ignore when I yell or act a little crazy. So you're looking for the good part of these different role models as examples of what you want to become and you're trying things out. So if you need to stop for a second, you're 20, you're driving the car, you need to change gears for a while, change gears. You don't even have to have a goal for coming back. It might be the right time, but you're looking for examples of what you want to become, trying things out and uh, expecting things to change. So you're working in that company and you shifted to a big company. Can you say the name of the big company you worked in? Toll Brothers. Toll Brothers. Okay. And they're, they're a huge, huge building company. You're as a project manager, you're there for a few years. And they started laying people off because the recession occurred. That was, yeah, 2007, 2008. The housing market just started collapsing. At the time, I was, I remember I was one of 32 project managers just in Arizona. And I think I was the youngest one. So, like, my, I was excelling in the corporate world. I was kicking ass. You know, a lot of it came back to everything that I learned in college works. Um, but I was the youngest guy. I was kicking ass and I was probably the lowest paid one, I'm guessing. 
But then they started laying everybody off. And after a year or two of layoffs, it was down to me and one other guy. And it just, it wasn't the same dynamic. And everybody, even my boss got a transfer. So they're piling everybody's work onto me and I'm handling it. Like my boss's work, everybody's. And I asked for a raise because now I was doing 10 times the work. And they said, well, you know, that's corporate does corporate isn't going to approve that because of the market. There's just nothing you can do. You know, be lucky that you have a job. And so that was the turning point for me. I had already gotten my real estate license and, you know, I was a smart kid and I realized that I'm never going to hit my financial goals if I stayed there and I needed to get creative and, and figure something out. So again, different times for different things. So you're on this path as you laid it out towards excellence. You're in pursuit. Um, you're persistent. You've got grit. You've got integrity. You've got intentionality. Um, and you're starting to see that maybe it's time to change again. And so you started a little ba- a little painting company because that's what you knew how to do. And then you realized maybe that didn't align with your values from way back when again. And having that side gig maybe wasn't honoring your commitment to Toll Brothers. So you gave up the side gig and went back and worked full time through your MBA at Toll Brothers. Is that right? Uh, sort of. The MBA was a, a se- separate thing. Like uh, they offered a tuition reimbursement. So I had taken a few classes like online and they paid for it. But that's a separate thing. Uh, part of me shutting down the painting company that I was running on the side, which is Envision Painting, uh, is that I realized that if they found out that I was doing that as part of my employment agreement, they could come after me and I'd have to pay them like 10 or 15 grand. I was like, okay, well, I don't want to get caught doing that because I was just, I wasn't at work very often. And I was managing both. I mean, it basically, I was treating it like two yeah, different you jobs. Yeah, you had three jobs and, and school and, yeah. and partying when you were in college. So why not? I okay, mean, you, so- learn how to, you learn how to manage off of the phone. That's what, that's what I learned in college works. And this is what I was doing. I was managing multiple things with my phone, right? Oh. Right. So you uh, so you decide to you decide to look out for your employment agreement and pay attention to the agreement you had with Toll Brothers. You shut the business down. You stay at Toll Brothers for a little while longer. And at that point in time, it's just too much. And you're going to go off and just focus on being an entrepreneur 100 percent. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I worked out a severance. I, t- I came to him and I told him, hey, it's not working for me. I want to go off and start up, start off my own thing. I've just got so much opportunity and I'm not happy anymore. And But at the same time, I had a ton of knowledge in my head. And I said, I don't want to just put in my notice and leave you guys hanging. Uh, but if we can work out a severance, I will make the transition as best as possible. Get all the projects transitioned to whomever you want to have takeover. And in the meantime, I'll start my business. But that way, it was a mutually beneficial uh, transition. And it was perfect. I got paid while I started up my company. And so there was no period of time where I was broke. So win, win, win. So and the lesson there, if you're listening right now, and maybe it's a change and it's a changing time for you, you're open, you're real, you're honest. Now, a lot of times you're in a job and you don't have any uh, knowledge that's valuable to the business. So you're just going to get escorted out the door. Um, but other times, like when you're in, maybe you're in sales, maybe you're in project management, uh, maybe there's a you're in, a, in the medical career, there needs to be a transition of the company's revenue and the company's knowledge. So you're having a real conversation, you're being open, you're being honest. So that's your integrity in your pursuit of 
in your pursuit of excellence. Um, you've got grit. You know it may work, it may not. You've got your intentionality from your definition of excellence. And there's some lessons in there for everybody. You, you've got these two different, you've got the changing Pete and the changing world kind of coming together, looking for a change of, of your situation. And you're going back to those morals that your mom taught you and back to those values that you have and being real with your uh, with your employer. So you get into Envision Painting and that becomes your full-time gig. And you're doing residential, residential uh, construction, residential painting construction. Yeah. All right. And um, you go into business with your brother a little bit later and you start the bug science pest control company. And at the same time, you're taking some of your profits and building your real estate portfolio. Is that how it went? So the, the pest control company is much later. The pest control company is uh, 2020. So, but it, I, I ran Envision for a while. Uh, really, you know, I was doing that. Actually, shortly after I started it, you know, there was other opportunities that came up. People wanted to partner with me on on other businesses. And I said yes to a lot of them. And those didn't work out because I was just getting pulled in too many places. Uh, so I had three three failed businesses um, while I had Envision. Envision was the, the, the stable one, the steady one. And... Yeah, and, and I started uh, as soon as I started making enough money to where I had, you know, a chunk of change, some reserves every year. I started buying properties. Just I I, I encountered I had a dinner one night with uh, some other people and their their grandparents. You know, they were fairly well off, not super wealthy, but they had some rental properties. They 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 implanted this idea into my head that hey, if you buy one property a year in ten years, you'll be you'll be set, right? And then it goes back to, you know, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in um, in college, but at the time I couldn't really act on it. But, you know, now I'm starting to earn a good living and I'm starting to have some savings. And so it all started, I started just saving every dollar I could, living way below my means, sacrificing the big vacations, sacrificing, you know, the, the nice cars and, and, and all this stuff that contractors will spend on. And every time I had, you know, a chunk of change, I would look for a property to buy. And I've just, I've been doing that for 10 years or so now. And then just in 2020, we st I started Bug Science, uh, which my brother is running. Yeah. Okay. So that's basically that little story right there is everything that we've talked about on the show in one. You're trying things out. There's different times for different things. You're looking for role models. If you're if you're listening right now, he didn't listen to the the people around him about their cars and their vacations. He ignored all that. It was this couple that he met that had that told him about re, uh, real estate investment, and he found that little piece to emulate. You've got intentionality. You're still back at that little kid, and I've been there before. I want to be rich, and it's not for the money. It's for the freedom. By the way. Um, if, if, if you're listening, if you're one of those kids and you're like, oh my God, I can't deal with this anymore. It's not the money. It's the freedom that matters. So you're in pursuit in pursuit. And then back to your college life, you have all this confidence because everybody else is screwing around, smoking weed and partying and going to school and thinking that's a full college life. You realize with discipline, you can have so much more. So you just apply this discipline that you learned in college, or maybe you learned it in high school when you were also working jobs, playing baseball and going to school. And you apply that to your intentionality. And all of a sudden you get this real estate empire. So it's, ama it's an amazing story. And I, and I want to get into two things. You and I saw each other at an EO function 
It was so nice to see you. Where do you, I, I know EO's, maybe EO is the answer. Where are you finding these role models? Where are you developing your plans? Where, if you need any outside accountability, where are you getting that? Where are you learning about the latest theories like uh, Rich Dad Poor, Poor Dad? Is that Guy Kawasaki? Is that who wrote that? Guy Kawasaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad. Where are you getting all that? Well, that's an old book, by the way. I read yeah. that first time. I, I met him. I met him in Arizona, actually. Yeah, he lives out here. Well, one of his houses. Um, you know, times have changed now than when they were in high school slightly. So when I was in high school or college, I mean, I would listen to, you know, motivational stuff like Napoleon Hill or whatever. Uh, they were what on, on CD. But now with the podcasts and Audible, I mean, honestly, for years, I ran, I was a painting contractor and I earned a good living. I wasn't getting rich, but I earned a good living. And, but driving from appointment to appointment, I was in real estate university every day throughout the day, listening to real estate stuff, books, podcasts, and not just real estate, mostly real estate, but also just general motivational and, you know, like business sales stuff, just constantly pumping my brain with great info. For a while there, I was listening to Howard Stern all the time, which was amazingly entertainment. You know, I just love it. But uh, there was a point, I don't know, not too long ago, actually, I, I just decided to stop. I'm going to just pump my brain with good stuff. And so that's what it is. You can go to an entire university and get an amazing education by all the free content that's out there right now. And after you hear enough knuckleheads on your radio that have gotten rich by doing this or by doing that, making millions of dollars, eventually you're going to be like, holy shit, if that knucklehead can do it, I can do it. And you start taking doing one step at a time. And everything you need to know is free nowadays on YouTube, whatever. So uh, it's what you've been saying, you got discipline with your time. You're layering your car ride with education, not news or comedy. Uh, you've got a routine that you've developed. And so you're listening right now. What do you do? Uh, align some of the stuff that you want to do. It's all this big stuff Pete's talking about. Align it with stuff you already do. You're in the car. You want to learn about real estate or sales or biology or geography, whatever. Use your time. Layer that time in the car. You, you don't drive to work. Put it in the bathroom when you're taking a shower. You can um, find these role models and find these systems and find these ways of doing things by investing. And so um, how did, then you decided to join EO. And just a shout out to the Entrepreneurs Organization. That's where I learned leadership as a member of the board, volunteer member of the board. That's where I met some of my most inspiring friends. Um, that's where I was exposed to the world and thought leaders of the world. So you found EO. How'd you find EO? And what do you get out of EO? And uh, um, what would you recommend to others that maybe aren't eligible for you? Yeah. So it was a point in my life where I was, I was doing pretty well and I, I was the biggest fish in my pond, you know, like couldn't, you know, like you just, you're doing well and the people around you aren't doing as well. And, and you can't really talk about all that stuff to everybody. But uh, actually I was introduced to EO through a friend of mine that I met in a BNI group, uh, like a networking chapter. And he was in it and he said, hey, you know, you should check this out. And so I did. And it was a moment in my life where I really needed it. I needed uh, and I was actively seeking to, to surround myself with a higher caliber, cal caliber of people. Um, so, I, you know, I learned more about it. 
I said, yeah, this is exactly what I need. I signed up. It was at the beginning of COVID and uh, we were locked down and it's not cheap to join EO. It's a big, you got to write a big check. So I signed up and I had nothing but Zoom meetings, you know, and then like four months later, you got your second check you got to pay. And so I was in it for a lot of money with a bunch of Zooms, but I knew it was going to work out because I knew the philosophy. I knew the history of it. And um, and so I'm almost three years in and and it's, it's done exactly what I've uh, hoped it would. It's put me around a higher a higher caliber of people. I've raised the the level of, you know, my environment and um, it opens your eyes when you're around people that are just killing it in life and business. It opens your eyes to what's possible uh, more so than you ever would have known if you don't see it. Right. And just like the podcast, after you see, you know, five or six, after you hear five or six knuckleheads on a radio talking about how they've made millions. Well, when you get to know five or six knuckleheads personally that have made you know way more money than you have or or done things that are just way more amazing than you ever have it becomes so much more real that it's possible and you, and your 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 limit of possibilities just expands exponentially when you surround yourself with with those type of people so you basically sought out more role models um you intentionally and, and you're probably pretty self-aware so you know you probably it was the time to get some additional support um something's coming down you've got that pursuit um you've got that intentionality and and cato always says you are the sum of your five closest friends so you were looking for a group of people that lifted you up and shout out to eo for lifting pete and for lifting me um it's kind of similar to your choosing a partner. So you chose your brother as a partner. People listening right now, maybe we want to one day be an entrepreneur. You chose your forum group at EO, which is kind of a partnership. How do you how do you vet your partnerships? Probably your suppliers, um, you know, some of your project managers. How do you vet your uh, your partnerships and what advice do you have for people listening that might want to follow your path and um, you know start a business with their brother or um, find a support group like you found? Yeah, so honestly, I, I don't feel like I've done a good job at uh, vetting partners too much um, because of the three because with, of the three failures that you had. Uh, yeah. 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 And, and by the way, every entrepreneur's had a few failures. Okay. You've got to fail. Yeah, you've got to. But that's fail how you learn, right? Yeah. You don't know, you don't realize it in the beginning unless you know, but I know now that every failure just makes you stronger. Wow. And you know, I've had the same partners for, this is my 30th year, 30th year. And, uh, and we, we have arguments. Now they start off in the first couple of years, they're a little bit more intense and a little bit more ferocious after about, I don't know, 15. So you may have a little bit of a run. Uh, we don't really argue that much anymore. And when anybody does, the other ones kind of laugh because it's pretty funny. So every once in a while, someone gets pissed off at somebody and we laugh. Um, but you you must, I mean, you, you're raised by the same person. You have the same values. You've probably got a strong work ethic. So you're looking for someone to go into business with. But again, um, it's a different thing at different times for different people. So it was your time. And every entrepreneur, uh, eventually, once they become successful, starts other companies for some reason, usually way outside the scope of what they should be doing. And they usually lose their ass. Um, and so you did it three times. I had quite a few of them. I don't even keep count anymore. And then you realize what your core competency is. You realize um, what you're good at. So that comes with wisdom. If you're listening right now, wisdom is the combination of experience and time. Now, Pete got real wise real fast. Cause he worked like a hundred hours a week 
between school and his three jobs when he was young. And then he's working for Toll Brothers, probably working 60, 70 hours a week, and he starts a side business. So he's got this extra experience from extra. So you're basically, what'd you say you were, 43? I am 41. 41 years old. So he's probably 61 in wisdom because he excel. Well, it is. You accelerate it by having a bunch of things going on. So you're not going to be able to really fully vet every experience and every person, but you got to go back to what we said earlier. You're trying things because that's what gives you that wisdom. So you try it out. But I, I look for just as a side note in partnerships, similar values, moving in a similar direction with a similar work ethic. I start there. Skill sets is probably in there somewhere, but me and my partners all have the same exact skill set. So similar, but but we've been together for 30 years. So similar values, similar work ethic, moving in the same direction. I've only got two more questions for you. One, and I think I know the answer to this one. Are you surprised by where you're at today? If, if we went back to the young Pete and said, hey, here's where you're going to be when you're 41, would that young Pete be totally surprised? No, no, I think you know, yeah, looking back to my younger self, I'm probably pretty close to where I would expect, maybe a little bit further than I would have expected as a kid. But at, at the same time, like when I compare myself now, I feel like I'm not as far as I should be. Okay. Right? And I, well, I think that's a good answer. That's that's an answer aligned with your definition of excellence, always in pursuit, the horizons moving. Um, I thought you were going to say, yes, you were. And, and I think the the probably one of the keys to your success is my next question. What sacrifice, when you look back, is there, I've got one that I can think of. And I have a similar history to you, but one sacrifice I made where I'm like, God, I can't believe I'm doing this. And I look back and go, thank God I did that. Do you have one of those for the audience? I don't think there's one, honestly. I think, I think it's, it's, it's a, a series of ongoing sacrifices that have compounded over time. Yeah. And do you do you look at them as sacrifices or investments now? They're investments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everyone is. Well, Pete, thank you so much for making time to come on this show. It's so nice to see you at the EO Regional Conference in Huntington Beach a few months ago. Really appreciate your share today. Uh, I think it's uh, absolutely amazing that you were able to do as much as you did in 41 years. Thanks for coming on the Edge of Excellence. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.